Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Folks, our testimonies are, are starting now. Praise God. And you know what? We've got some wonderful people with some powerful testimonies of the grace of God. Amen. And so we're going to start by inviting up uh, the fantabulous Johnny and Lisa. They're going to come up. They're going to share. Can we, can we give them a proper welcome? Come on, Cork Church. Hello. How are you, church? Uh, it's good to be here. It's good to share our testimonies and um, share the glory of God and what he's done in our lives um, as a couple and ourselves as well. Um, I suppose I start off with prayer anyway. Um, so, Lord, we just come before you today, Lord. I ask you to be with us today, Lord. I ask you to minister to us, Lord. Lead us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And that we can glorify you. Everything we speak of today is about your glory, Lord. Not about the past or anything, Lord. It's all to glorify what you can do and what you have done in our lives, Lord. Lord, we ask, we thank you for this church, Lord. We thank you for the people. And we just ask you to be with us today in your precious son's name. Amen. So um, I think Lisa wants to start anyway, so... Get it over and done with. <laughs> <laughs> um... Bear me, I'm a small bit nervous. So, um, most of you guys know me. Um, my name is Lisa Deneen. I forget to say McDonald, but it's Deneen. <laughs> um, I'm a member from the Trotter community. Um, I grew up um, around a lot of um, violence and a lot of um, abuse. I seen a lot of stuff that a child shouldn't see. I was around a lot of trauma. Um, yeah, so I was, in the time, was full of um, fear and uh, anxiety. Um, I thought that I'd lose people in that time when stuff was happening. Um, yeah, so I was broken. I was lost. I was hurt. I was lonely. Um, yeah, I am, um, growing up from a young age, I am, um, I should say, I've, I'm the youngest of eight, six girls, two boys. But um, yeah, so, um, uh, sorry, I'm a small bit nervous, please forgive me. <laughs> I thought I was prepared, but I am. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, um, growing up from a young age, uh, I start, as it says, I start seeing stuff. But then I second into them, I deep depression myself. Um, I tried to take my life so many times. Um, I was self-harming. I didn't want to live. Darkness was um, my best friend. Um, as a young age, I was sexually abused quite a lot of times by a lot of different people. Um, so, and I was scared to speak out because I thought I'd get the blame and I thought it was my fault. But now I know it's not my fault. I know that um, God was with me and I know God gave me the strength to get through a lot of stuff that um, I needed to get through. Um, I started experience um, alcohol from around the age of 13, 13 to 14. Um, then from that, all I was doing was drinking. 
I would isolate. Darkness wasn't my best friend. When I mean my best friend, darkness was my best friend. It's kind of like me, myself, and I. So, um, like, I was in the caravan and stuff, and I just, from morning, noon, night, always darkness. I am. Um, I was hearing a lot of voices telling me that I wasn't good enough, that um, I shouldn't live, I should die, or go and do this, go and do that. You know, um, you don't fit in well. You know, so I think hearing all that, you start to believe all that, do you know what I mean? So, and I start to believe all that. You know, um, yeah, so then a couple of years on the line, I started experiencing drugs, um, just to shove all the pain under her and just to try and shove it down because I couldn't deal with it. You know, um, basically then, um, yeah, so as I was in a lot of um, abusive relationships, I was in, um, yeah, just being abused quite a lot, um, physically, mentally. Um, but yeah, so then kind of moving on from there, I was in and out of psychiatric hospitals. Um, honestly, they couldn't help me. Um, I think nobody could have helped me of, of the person that I was. Um, but standing here and looking back, God helped me. You know, and I believe that. And he was always with me. At that time, I didn't know that God was with me. You know, but um, this one time, um, I kind of I knew I needed help. And so I left my family home. I just have a lot of stuff going on. I left my family home and I ended up in a psychiatric hospital and I was looking for help. But the psychiatric um, doctor, he refused helping me. So I had a plan. If he didn't help me, I was going to take my own life. So I was on my knees. I was begging. I was asking, asking to help me. Just says, no, there's nothing we can do for you. So within that time, looking back now, God heard my cry. God knew that I was ready. God knew that I needed help. So when I didn't think nobody heard me, God heard me. And I give him all the glory because I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for God. You know, so I was in and out. I went into the hospital and getting help from there and then. But I'll speak about Tiglin where I went into rehab from there. But I'll just pass it on to um, Jonathan. There now. Thanks. Uh, how are you? So I'm... Uh... Yeah, so uh, my name is Johnny, anyway. I'm from uh, Greenmount, I'm from Cork City. Um, I grew up um, around a lot of violence. I witnessed a lot of violence as a child. Uh, you know, guns, um, people coming around the door, breaking in the windows, a lot of violence, family fighting, family feuds, family, just a lot of it, you know, as a young child. So I grew up as a very scared child. Um, a lot of my family were like, you know, I would say, like, fighting, like, they'd be well able to fight, all of them, like, I wasn't. Anytime trouble came, I ran, I hid. Um, so there was a lot of drink involved as well, of course, even from a very young age, um, and uh, drugs. So I grew up around all that, seeing all that. Um, like I said, I was a very scared child, so I, I always wanted to be like my family and go out and fight like the rest of my family, but I just couldn't do it. I just didn't have it in me. You know, I was that fight or flight thing inside you, like I always was flight. And I, I grew to hate myself for that because I wasn't like them and I thought I was supposed to be like them. 
growing up hearing stories about prison and about you know, being fighting and protecting this and doing this and doing that, glorifying all the wrong things, you know. And then also, like, where the area I grew up, it was also, it was everywhere, like. So when I was out playing, like, all the older boys hung around outside our flats because I grew up around flats. Uh, you, the minute you walk out the door, there's drugs everywhere. There was drink everywhere. There was violence. I suffered a lot of bullying because I was a scared child. So, like, I used to come in home, my mum used to find bruises all over my body as, a, like, a six-, seven-year-old child. The older boys used to use me practically as a punching bag, like, so just for their own entertainment. Um, so, I grew uh, with all that, like, I grew up um, um, disruptive in school and, um, you know, just didn't care about anything, didn't care about school, didn't think that I needed school, uh, ended up getting expelled out of school and into youth reaches and just being a messer. Um, at about 13 as well, I started drinking. Drink gave me the confidence to, to be the person that I wanted to be, that I thought I was supposed to be. So straight away, I latched onto that and I started um, smoking weed and dealing at about 14 and getting with what everyone else was doing around me, because that's what everyone was doing. No matter what age they were, they were dealing, taking drugs, you know, so it just seemed like the thing to do. So I adapted into that life pretty easy. Um, but my personality and the struggles I had and hating myself and wanting to be different and trying to be like everyone else, I, uh, I went head first into it, and I ended up an alcoholic at the age of about 15, 16. So when everyone else was going home, I was going in town at 12 o'clock at night at 15, 16, fighting, being drunk, looking for more drink. Um, and that spiraled out of control. I ended up out of the family home at about, I suppose, 17, 17-ish, I ended up out of the family home anyway. And I ended up in Cork Simon. I, I couldn't get in, obviously, because I wasn't 18, so I ended up sleeping on the streets. So I lived on the streets in Cork for about 10 years, um, uh, in and out of hostels, in and out of prison. I was in and out of prison from the age of 18, 18 to 23. I was in and out of prison, um, started messing around then with heroin, so I threw everything aside then, and the minute I started taking heroin then, nothing else mattered. No other drug, drink, nothing. So I started using heroin then for about seven years, living on the streets, sleeping outside there. I slept outside there for years on the streets. People were walking past me, and you know, I adapted to that because I had so little thought for myself that that's what I thought I deserved. That's what I thought that was my life. I often said to my mum, no matter where I grew up, what family, money, no money, nothing, I goes, this was my life, this was my destiny, like, and I'm fine with that. Do you know, I disowned my family. I said the people in Simon and all that were family to me. That's the way my mind was, like, and I really and truly believed it, do you know. Um, so my life was horrible, like, um, I just wanted to die. To be, like, I did, I, not that I wanted to die, but I didn't care if I died. Do you know, every time I used that drug... I knew that I mightn't wake up, but I actually didn't care. Like, it was, I didn't care if I did or not. And the minute, like, I'm, 
In the spaces of seven years, I had a, a minimum of seven or ten overdoses. You know, hospitalised, uh, being resuscitated at three o'clock in the day in the middle of town, sun splitting the stones, and I'm being resuscitated by ambulance. You know, but I thought nothing of it. Uh, I was lost. I was, um, yeah, I was lost. Um, I was stuck in a rut. I couldn't see any way out. I didn't want any way out. Didn't think there was another life there. But, um, yeah, I'll tell you the rest of the part there when I pass it on to Lisa. Um, so just finishing off from that story, um, when I was in the psychiatric hospital, um, eventually when, <clears throat> after um, when my psychiatrist turned me down, I, I ended up taking an overdose. I can't remember anything from that. All I remember is waking up in the hospital. And all I remember is the doctor just looking at me and I blanked out from there. And my psychiatrist came to me after and he was saying, if I didn't get the help that I need to get the help, I, w I would end up dead. I'd like, I disowned my family, I disowned, I didn't want to be around them. I had so much hate and so much anger from myself, so much hate and anger from my parents, from my brothers, my sisters. I didn't want to be like them. I want to say, all right, I, I'm my own boss, or I can do this, I can do what I want to do, or I can take this and take that. But look where that got me, it got me in the, in the pits of darkness. You know, so um, uh, honestly, a lot of people might say, right, oh, I'm going to rehab and this and that. But the excitement that I had to go to a rehab centre was unexplainable. I was running around telling everybody in the hospital, I'm going to rehab, I'm getting help and this and that and that and this. Until the psychiatrist came to me and said it was a 16-month programme. So the place I went to was called Tiglin. So it was a 16-month programme. And I remember the the day that I was going. So I had a lot of help with, with Peter McFerry Trust and I was in and out of hospital, so they were supporting me to get a home and stuff until I got rehab. But I remember the day that I went to Tiglin, it's in County Wicklow. And I just remember walking through the doors. I was so, so nervous. And I remember walking through the doors, but I remember finding, I remember the peace that I felt like, it was like, I never felt that peace like ever in my, in, in my life, like, and I knew there was something there. But I went on in, in the program, I started it. Um, I'm definitely, I wasn't the person who I am today. I had no confidence. Um, I was disobedient. I had no respect for anybody there or any respect for myself. I was, um, wouldn't do anything that was meant to do on the program. I was running from my work duties when I didn't want to do them. <laughs> But um, I struggled big time. There was a lot of stuff coming up for me that I didn't want to deal with. I just wanted to run from it. Um, it was too hurtful for me to bring up. I wasn't ready. Um, I was six months in and I left and I ended up relapsing. I went back to my family home. That didn't work out. I left there, went into the hostel downtown, uh, Dublin City, and I ended up um, relapsing on drugs and alcohol. But I knew, I knew when I left, I regretted it. I really did. I knew there was a wanting there in me because I knew of God. I, when I was first there, I gave my life to God. I got baptized, but I only did it for the sake of doing it because there's other people doing it. I didn't fully surrender to God. But when I, when I left and 
I went back to my parents' site and I was in my own caravan and I was just literally, I was praying, I was reading my Bible and I was worshiping and I was like, Lord, it was a mistake that I left. I'm like, if it's your will, please can I be back into rehab before Christmas? Um, so basically I just left that. I rang in to put my name down and I said to one of the staff members, I was like, do you think I'll be back in before Christmas? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And because the boss didn't want to take me back over my mental health, my mental health was crazy. Um, so basically, when she got off the phone, she told me afterwards, the Lord put her on her heart for to have me back in before Christmas. She went to the boss, um, so he had the same thing. So I was unaware, so I rang back and he says, right, why are you doing next week? I'm like, nothing. He said, we have a bed for you. And that's all glory to God, because if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have gotten back in. You know, but when I went back in 2018, I went back in and I knew what I was facing. And the first time I was in the deeps of depression. And when I got depressed, I couldn't pick myself up. I could be weeks, it could be months in it. But when I went back, when I felt depressed or anything like that, like that, I could lift myself back up. And I knew it was God. I went back, I fully surrendered. I gave my heart to God. I was obedient. Do you know, I did what um, I felt that I needed to do. Um, of course, read my Bible and worshipped God. And there was times there on the weekends, the girls watched a movie and stuff. But no, I was in one room on my own, worshipping, praising God. Just giving him the glory because it was him that brought me back. Because honestly, as it says, if it wasn't for God, I would not be standing here. Do you know, when I give him the glory, I'm thankful, I'm grateful, I'm... I'm honoured and I'm, I'm so like, oh, God is awesome. Like, I'm so happy that he's my Lord God and my saviour. Like, I really am. And I'm so happy that I choose the right paths, that I choose to follow him. It's not easy. Like, as, as we still go through our, dark, our darkest moments, we still go through our trials and tribulations. But as it says in Psalm 23, 4, for even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil, for he's with me. His rod and his, uh, his rod and staff comforts me. But that gives me comfort because I know God is with me. So I could walk into the darkest of moments. But once I turn to God and hand it to him, not do it on my own strength, but do it on God's strength, I know he's got it. Do you know what we all have to do is run to God, not run the opposite way because that's when we fall down. Do you know, but God is saying, look at me, run to me. His arms open right, you know. Come to me all who are weary and heavy burden, I will give you rest. We all have heavy burden. We're all weary. We're all read. We're done with all the world and everything. But God's word is true. God, God is true to his word. He doesn't lie. He's faithful. He's just. He's amazing. I could stand up all here, like all day and glorify God. Do you know, because he's done so much in my life. You know, so. But um, I did my, God is God, that's all I can say. I praise his holy name. I did my um, 19 months that time I did um, in the program. They were had to do. Um, I was just, I attended a church in County Wicklow called Banner of Love. So I was just about to finish my, um, my program. And I seen this handsome man walk down the stairs and <laughs> Banner of Love. <laughs> but um, it's, actually, it's actually amazing how God works. Because on the same day, we both got baptized together. You know, and it was an amazing feeling. But then a few times attending the church, I knew um, 
I knew something, like I knew God was putting on my heart something about Jonathan. So I was praying and so on from there. Then we actually, I was actually one day in my, my room when I was in the after house from Tiglin. All of a sudden the Lord put Jonathan on my heart to pray for him because I was wondering where was he. And when I prayed for him, all of a sudden uh, I got a friend's request and we started texting. So the Lord then just led us together from there. Do you know, so, and yes, we kind of, um, from there then we just, like, was doing God's work and we were working in the programs. After I finished my program, I started working in Tiglin because it's on my heart. I want to um, give to others what God has given me. Do you know, I'm on this earth, not for me to get the glory, for God to get the glory. I'm on here for to, for to bring people to God because there's a lot of broken people there. There's a lot of broken souls you know, so um, from there then, uh, we, got, we got to know each other. Um, then we got married over a year and a half ago in June. So all glory to God, he brought us together, you know, and then he moves us to Cork. Um, Jonathan has a beautiful son called Matthew. Um, God is good because he builds my bond and Matthew's bond up together, which is amazing. Um, yeah, so we came to Cork, and praise God, we have Cork Church, the support of you guys and the support of other people. Um, yeah, so also now I'm working in another um, rehab centre. It's called Kumara Finance. So I've been praying about it. The Lord opened the door, and thank God he's using me there because I want to be used in every way God wants me to be used. So, um, yeah, so as God's word says, me and my house will serve the Lord. You're on, that's what we're here to do. So, but thank you for listening to my story. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, so I'll uh, pick up from where I left off. Um, I forgot to say as well, when I was 23, um, I was in Cork, Simon, and, uh, do you know, I, I seeked help. To be honest with you, I only seeked help because uh, my mother was doing my head and, and she wouldn't leave me alone. So I was like, right, I'll go and, and I'll get help. Um, I never went to rehab or anything like that before. I, boys used to come out of rehab that I knew and like relapsed straight away. And I was just like, why would she even stop? Like, you know, that's the way I saw it. Like, why would I go? I had no intentions of stopping. Like, so... Uh, she brought out a big book, put it on the table, and just started flicking through pages. And I was just looking at the pages, the next thing I seen a National Turf pitch and a gym and all that. And I was like, oh, that place looks nice. I go, I go there. And she was like, uh, she goes, that's Tiglin, and uh, it's a Christian-based program. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic. I didn't know what a Christian was. I thought I always was Christian, Catholic, thought it was the same thing. So I was like, yeah, yeah, that's grand. So I went into Tiglin. Um, to be surprised was an understatement. I did not know what I was going into. Uh, I was also coming off heroin and all sorts at the time as well, so I wasn't in a great frame of mind. And I was sitting in the top, uh, we were up in the top room for worship. Lights were turned off, and next thing everyone started dancing, worshipping the Lord. I didn't know what was going on. I was sitting in the middle of a lot of them going, what is going on here? Like, thinking, how am I going to get out of here? Am I going to get out of here? You know? And uh, thank God I stayed. Um, I stayed after that day. And I uh, pressed on. But what, what stuck out to me is, fellas, they were coming back, speaking about what? Speaking about their lives, talking about being 
and heroin being on all sorts of drugs and in a, a homelessness for 20 years and 15 years and all that. And these were well-groomed men. They had families, kids, um, businesses, everything. I was like, that's amazing. Like, how, how do you do that? Like, what? How is that even possible? Like, and um, they all had the same thing to say, God, you know? So I was like, okay. I was like, give me a bit of that. How do I, what do I do? Like, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so I was... Uh, told to say the sinner's prayer so I said it and um, I was waiting for these bright lights and this thing to happen you know and nothing happened so I went and done it about six or seven times after that and also nothing happened so I didn't think it worked. I ended up staying on the program anyway for six months as well. I left the program. Little did I know that the Lord, I was after accepting the Lord into my life because he knew my heart even if my head didn't you know and um so I left the program, but I relapsed straight away the minute I walked out the gate, and I spent another few years in, in heroin and everything else and that life again, straight into it. But through that time, I was going to churches. I went into another rehab, uh, Christian as well. I was always led back to the Christian side of things. Uh, I used to go to sleep with listening to worship. Um, you know, so it really made an impact in my life. Even in the midst of addiction, God was reaching out to me. But unfortunately, I was in the palm of, of the enemy, you know, and I, was given, I gave my life to him, you know. But I knew where I needed to go, and I knew what I needed to do. I was after seeing that there is a life out there for me, and there is a chance that I can live a proper life and a healthy life and, and everything. Um, I, was, I had a child as well, uh, Matthew. He's eight now. He's, my, he's a blessing in my life. Uh, but unfortunately, I wasn't in a good place at that time. So anyway, I reached out to my family again, and I says, I need to go to treatment. And they were like, right, this place, that. I was like, no, I need to go to Tiglin. And I was determined to go back there. I used to dream about it and everything, of how, how well I was up there. So after four months waiting, um, I got into Tiglin, um, but this time going in there was different because I knew what I needed to do. And it was surrender and, and give my life to God. Like completely surrender. And to me, to me that was a hard thing because I, I had no trust in anyone. No trust in myself or anyone. So giving, giving over complete surrender to someone I can't see, that's not there in front of me, like it's, it was very hard, you know. So I just kept praying, I just kept praying, and, you know, God was working in my life, he was bringing people back to my life, he was performing miracles in front of my eyes, in my own life, and it was just one day I was in my room, and I was like, you know, I can't, like, why can't I see, I need, I was like, God, you need to literally put something in front of me so I can see, so I can have that belief in me, and, like, faith is a belief in what can't be seen. And then he just put it on my heart and he literally ran, ran a story of my life in front of me of what he had, where I was and what he has done. And, and uh, the penny dropped and my life was a miracle. My life, I'm the physical, do you know? I'm the, 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 the proof that God is real, do you know? And there's a worship song there you have up there and it says, uh, 
I prayed and he answered. When anyone asks me now, how, how do you believe in God? Where's your faith? Like, how do you have faith in God? Like, and I goes, I've no explanation only though. I prayed and he answered my prayers. You know, and... And that's what he done. He answered my prayers and then, you know, I went through the trials and tribulations of dealing with my past, dealing with, with um, remorse of the things I've done and the people I've hurt and also forgiven the people. And honestly, I just started learning to just give it to God. Just hand it over to him and he just takes it. He'll never give us more than what we can handle and that's the truth. You know, and even in your, when you're in the midst of it, you think, I can't do this. When you just surrender to him and just pray to him and ask him to help you, he'll help you because he's done it with me and uh, like in the deepest and darkest of places. So um, I done uh, 17 and I done 16 and a half months inside Tiglin uh, and, uh, and I went to the aftercare and all that. And um, I'm going blank there now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was uh, I was brought to like Lisa was saying I was brought to Banner of Love. Like I didn't know Lisa was in Tiglin. Lisa didn't know I was in Tiglin either. I, this was a church separate from Tiglin, you know. And I seen Lisa there, and I, I was yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, yeah, Lisa caught my eye straight away. But I was still on the program, and on the program you're not allowed have any. Uh, relationships or anything, you know. So I went off for a glass of water, and Lisa was there giving out the water and started asking me my name and all. But there was someone on a higher phase behind me, watching me. So Lisa was like, "Oh, my name's Lisa," and I was like, oh, "I'm John, you know, yeah, nice one." <laughs> you know, and that's all I could do. But like, God put her on my heart straight away, like, and I couldn't stop thinking about her and wondering, you know. And um, like that, Lisa changed church. After COVID, we didn't see each other for about five months, and Lisa changed church. I went back to church hoping she'd be there. She wasn't. So I was like, oh, maybe that, maybe I was wrong. Maybe that's not from God, you know? But um, so I was walking up to the shop one day, and I was just praying to God, you know, God, I was told you'd, you'd provide me with a wife. You'd give me, you know? And I was praying, and um, I was like, if, that, if, if Lisa is for me, you know, let me know, like, you need to be clear, because I need clear signs, like, I'm not very good, like, <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, but then next thing you know, she popped up my suggestions, so I, I, it took me a day or two to send her a friend request, because I was after learning she was from the women's centre, and I didn't feel, want to feel like, you know, I was one of the boys from the men's centre, like, you know, just trying to meet up and all that, so, I ended up sending her the friend request. I said, I'll send her the friend request, but I won't bother texting her. Like that. And uh, thank God, Lisa was texting me straight away. And from there on then, we just started texting and meeting up. And, you know, the two of us, um, yeah, started going from there then. And um, the two of us knew we each other loved the Lord. We laid out that God was first. We, uh, we, uh, we both worked in Tiglin. Told Lisa about my son, um, and we just went from there and, and seen what God has done our, to do in our lives, and uh, He's blessed us abundantly, abundantly. Um, so then we got married in uh, June, and um, 
our lives have just been a blessing. Even to be standing here, even to have a normal life, even to have a wife, it's unbelievable. Like, I don't, you know, from sleeping out in the streets there, you know. So, um, yeah, I just give glory to God, and I just, I just thanks for hearing our story. Probably a bit sweaty, you know. Good morning, church. My name is Nathan Cassidy, and I'm um, going to tell you a bit about my story. So I grew up in this church. My, my father and my mother, they pioneered and pastored this church, Pastor Nick and Catherine. And um, so I grew up in the height of privilege, and I don't mean that in a, a leftist liberal way, you know, check your privilege kind of thing, but the Lord has blessed me in such a tremendous way. And I'm only standing here because of the faithfulness of God. And my story isn't much different than anybody else's here because I was lost the same way everybody else was. And um, I've kind of come to learn that I'm, I'm here because of the faithfulness of God. And even though my circumstances were different than everybody else here, I'm here because if I was anywhere else, I probably wouldn't have made it, you know? God knows us. God knows the kind of people we are. He knows our weaknesses. And if I didn't, you know, I'm so influenced by the people around me. And if I didn't grow up in such a loving environment of a church and, and, and pastors and, and, and just people, leaders that loved you and looked out for you, if I didn't have that, I don't know where I'd be today, you know? And um, so I'm privileged. And. Um, and God knows you, he knows your heart, he knows everything about you, he knew you before you were even born. And um, so this is, the, this is the, the environment I grew up in. I've, I've just been blessed by the people around me. Um, my, my father, the greatest influence in my life, you know, both in terms of what he speaks, what he speaks into my life and the direction he gives, and even by the words that he doesn't speak and by his actions and his example to me. And um, God's given me that privilege to see what he's gone through and how to walk, you know, a life with the Lord and dedication. My uncle Gavin, another phenomenal influence in my life. And Pastor Stephen carried me through my, my youth and my, my, my young adult years. And they're all such great friends in my life now. Um, so from the age of eight, um, I knew that I needed, I need, I needed saving. I, I heard all the stories as a child. But I was just lying in my bed one night, and I just knew there was a realization that I, I need saving. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like everybody else. I'm not going down the same path as everyone else. I'm only eight years old, but I knew there was something different. And just in the quietness of my bedroom, I gave my heart to the Lord. And, I went, and from there, I went on a journey. And um, I must have given my heart to the Lord five, ten, twenty times because... You don't know that you're saved, you know. You keep, you keep thinking, oh, I'm going to fall again or I sinned. And so I went on this journey of knowing who I was as a Christian. So I'm going to take you a little bit on that journey and, uh, and how I learned to trust in God. And um, so I think I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. I went on a youth weekend, even though I shouldn't have. But since I'm the pastor's kid, I was there. Um, and I had an experience with the Lord. I just started worshiping properly for the first time. And all the other youth around me were worshipping, and, 
And, uh, and I lifted my hands and I started worshiping the Lord. And there was this overwhelming sense of love. But there was, I, I didn't know what I was experiencing. I was 10, 11 years old. And I just started bursting out in tears. I didn't know what happened to me. And I ran out of the room. I ran all the way down the center, out, ran across the grass over to the next, uh, to the next hall. I didn't know what was happening. I was so overwhelmed, and I don't think anyone even explained it to me very well. I knew it was God, but I didn't know what I was really feeling. And so the, these kind of things stick with me. And I, and I went on, you know, more of my youth years. And I remember another youth began, and I was, I was probably about maybe 16 or so, and down in Trebulgan. And uh, again, I was, just, I, was at, I was at the altar, and I was just worshiping the Lord. And I've never felt the presence of the Lord come over me like it did that day where you felt that you don't want to be anywhere else in the entire universe. That where you are in this very moment in time, you feel absolute fulfillment of love and joy and peace and security in who you are. And that was the Lord put that on me. And I experienced that. And obviously we need to move on in life and we've got other things. We can't just stay in that sense of um, perfection for, you know, for the rest of our life, at least not on this earth. And, but, but God put these little markers in my life, these little milestones to remind me, I'm here, I'm here. And he done it again at Summer Fire Conference, just worshipping at my seat. And God just reminding you again and again, you know, I'm here for you, you know. And there's times when you're, when you're fearful or you don't know, can you trust him? You don't know, is he there? You don't know, is he going to answer? And, um, and I didn't know where I was going to go in life. I was probably about maybe 18, 19. And I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, what I was going to do with my life. And I didn't know what I was going to be as, as a Christian, what, the, what did God want from me? And I needed that direction. And God just spoke to me. He put a bit of a, just a touch in my heart of what, what he wanted of me. Now, not quite specifics, but he just gave me that reassurance. And um, step by step, he took me through. He managed to take me through college. I don't even know how I got into college. Um, my mom always said I was very um, academic, I was very smart, but I barely got, my, got through my leaving cert, barely got into college, and I don't know how I came out of college on the other end, but God carried me through every, every single step, and my whole life, my whole journey is, I love what Johnny said there, is I sought the Lord and he answered, and it's so true for me because every single step of my journey to where I am today, every single step, I didn't take a step without asking God, is, it, is this for me? Do you want this for me? You know, I said, I, I have a door here. It, need, it needs to be open. I have a door that's been blocked. Um, and and he, he took me through step by step. And I can nearly look back at my life for the last 15 years and think it was a bit of a blur. I don't know how I got through this, that, and the other. Um, I went on to work in the construction industry as a quantity surveyor. And it's a very stressful job. You're dealing with a lot of finances and things like that. And and I, I feel so incompetent as a person um, in my abilities. I, I, I have very low self-confidence in a lot of ways. And I'm always second-guessing myself. Oh, I'm going to get fired. And I'm not good at my job. And stress just overwhelms you. And it happens all the time at work. And um, so many times I go into work and think, I'm not prepared for this. I'm not ready. I didn't do the last couple of weeks of work. I didn't keep up with it. Um, and I'm nowhere, and you go in, and the sweat is just pouring off you. And I, I, so many times in my life, I just feel like, I feel like Hezekiah when, when the armies of, of Assyria come and they just they pillage village after village, city after city, conquering, and then they surround the city of Israel. And you're thinking, okay, we're done for now, we're gone. And this is what I felt so many times in my life, every single step of the way, 
that you feel surrounded, you feel like there's nowhere to go, but he is our refuge and he's our, strong, our, our stronghold, you know, and uh, our strong tower. And every single time I run to him, and there's times where it's, it's minutes and it's seconds before going into a meeting, and, and these are crucial meetings, negotiations, and things like that you have to go through, and I'm not prepared. I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to get wrecked here, you know? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my job. And every single time, I say, God, can you just take this? Take my, my lack of ability, because I know I lack a lot of things in life. Um, and he takes and he just, he directs it. He directs the, 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 the attack. And, and what you think is going to be the end of your life in a lot of ways he just directs it. And I don't know if you have any similar testimonies like that, but every step of the way, he just opens that door. He protects you. And I've come to know that there's a grace in, in, in our lives from the Lord because of our own weaknesses as a human, just our day-to-day stuff, as a, fa- as a husband, as a, as a father, as a friend. I've failed in every single front you could probably imagine. And um, even in my failures... His grace is there to cover you, you know, as an employee, as a worker to my boss. And I failed him multiple times, all my bosses. And, uh, and every single time he gives you a grace, he covers you, he protects you. And that's what I've come to know over the last couple of years is my journey is, is trust the Lord. Every single step of the way, it's trust the Lord. And um, I think that's kind of... Where, where I am today, and uh, God's blessed me with uh, a tremendous wife. My, I got my my three children, and uh, we're just blessed to be in this in this church. We're blessed to be part of it, to be part of the leadership team, and we are so um, we're so again. I'll say privileged to be where we are. You know, I'm honoured to be where I am. I'm honoured to serve this church, and I'm honoured to be in this church. And again, just to to, to remind myself and remind everyone, if it wasn't for Him. I wouldn't be here, you know. Um, if I was anywhere else, so influenced by people around me, you know, I could go off way down the darkest of paths. Even though you might look and think, "Oh, I'm not that bad a person," you know. But I've always known that, from what I, when I read, is that the heart is deceitfully wicked. And if you think you have any trust in yourself as a person, in your in your flesh, in your abilities, then you then you're so misled. And so everything in my weakness, I have to bring before God day after day after day and think, no, I can't put myself in this situation, in that situation, and think I can get through this fine. I have to run. I have to run from evil, flee from evil. And if you don't, you know, you're putting too much trust in yourself. And so there's things that, that, that we all have temptations in life in different ways and shapes and forms. And I know they're there. And... My flesh wants these things, but I have to always pray, say, God, don't ever let me fall to a place where it just destroys my family, it destroys me, it destroys my relationship with you. I said, that's, that's continually my prayer to keep me. And, um, and I just want to finish on that passage that was shared on, 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 on Facebook. And it was in Psalm 66, verse 9. He said, he keeps me among the living and he keeps my feet from stumbling. And um, so I just want to praise God for that. Uh, Johnny and Lisa and Nathan, thank you. Thank you three for sharing your stories with us this morning. 
And uh, I agree with my son wholeheartedly being a minister and knowing people, knowing humans. That's what we deal with, deal with people. We are all the same. And if the privilege of the structure of Nate, he didn't have that structure, he would could have ended up in the darkest of places. No doubt about that. Because there's no good people in this world. This is people. There's only a good God. Uh, people with broken natures because of sin. That are bent towards the wrong things all the time. That's, that's who we are. We are far more broken than what we give ourselves credit for. And that's the best of us. Because the best of us can do a good cosmetic job on the outside. People think we have it together. We look good. You know, you have money, you've got a house, whatever it may be. But I've met rich people and they're also the most miserable people I've ever met. I've met poor people and they're also the most miserable people I've ever met. I've met middle class people and they're also miserable because when you drill down the need and the thirst for all men and women is the thirst for God. Significance, purpose, reality. And uh, by the way, Nathan, I remember that encounter you shared as a boy, you were about 11 years of age. I remember where it happened. Um, we brought him to a youth meeting that he shouldn't mean that youth. He was pre-youth, but I'm the pastor. I bring him along with me. He got into, this, into the presence of God. He comes out and me and his mom meet him and he can't talk. And are you okay, Nathan? He's, he can't talk. And I said, someone bully you? First thing your dad does, you know. Someone giving out because you're thinking you're protecting your son because I'm ready. I'm the pastor, but I'm capable as well, Sean, you know. And, uh, you believe, you'll see how fallen your pastor is at times as well. I can tell you that much. And, um, and, uh, and he, I said, is someone after hurting you? And I knew. I said, God, after touching you, he goes, and he couldn't even speak. And I remember, and I told him, just, I told him that God's after touching you and not to fear it. And his journey has been a journey of being sensitive to the Lord and being honest before him. And I think that's what God wants from all of us, to be sensitive to him and to be honest before him. I want to leave you with a scripture. Over the long term, uh, the, the magnificent testimonies, you can see how Christ can restore the most broken of lives. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. It's the only thing that can make a difference. Politics will not fix this world. Social structures are falling apart. We have more educate, we have education come out of our ears, and we're not against education, but it's not fixing the problem either. It's the only thing that can fix this world is the gospel. If you're a Christian sitting here this morning, you've been watching broken lives, you go away inspired knowing that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that can release the power of God into them to save them. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. We've heard that from Johnny and Lisa, how the old started to just drop away from them. And new things started to happen. Even though you had fallen on your faces, you got back up again. The righteous man gets up every time and God strengthens you. And all things become new. Now all things are from God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we are as a church. We are the administrators. We are the reconcilers. We are the people that go to other peoples that are not our friends, sometimes our enemies. And we put a hand on their shoulder and we say, I want to put my hand on your shoulder and put my hand on the shoulder of God. Let me introduce you to the one that can change your life. That's the duty of the Christian, to go and be reconcilers. That's why we are the peace lovers. 
the peacemakers, amen, the children of God. He's given us that ministry, the scripture says. You and I have that ministry. The ministry of reconciliation, that is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and is committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, some of those words might be big for some of you, but it's very, very simple what Paul is saying here. God was reconciling. If you want to, if you want to take one word that envelops the entire Bible, it's the word reconciliation. If you want to take every teaching, every expression of, of the scriptures, it's God wanting to reconcile to us awful people. We're not as beautiful as what we think we are. We're not friends. We're, we're very, there's darkness in us that we, if our own, our own mothers knew about it, they would disown us. And yet God sees it and he says, I want to reconcile to you. I want to reconcile. I want to bring you to myself. I want, I want us to walk in unity together. And I want you to understand that is the heart of God today. That was the heart of God for Lisa for all those years of abuse that formed her and, and, and drove her into self-harm and darkness. And John the same way, you know, growing up fearful of seeing the violence around him and then becoming everything that he hated and destroying his life. For Nathan in his journey as a young man, you know, with all the fears and yet the human nature still there. And yet discovering something as they discovered that there is a God that can give strength and reconcile us to himself and then Paul says this now then we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us you know God was pleading through you this morning God was pleading through you that's what he was doing as you testified it was the Holy Spirit pleading through you to a lost world that might be watching some might be here that don't know the Lord some might be watching online God was pleading through these vessels. And you know what he was pleading? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And if you heard anything this morning here, you can hear about addictions, and you can hear about fears, and you can hear about life's journeys. But you have to hear that through all that, there's only one word coming out. God is saying, be reconciled to me. Be reconciled to me. I've made a way for you. It was not an easy way because I had to pay a very dear price for it. It was the price of my own son who died a horrendous death, the death that you should have died for your sins, but he died for you. And so you hear through every Christian testimony, no matter who, I'm sure I could ask 100 of you, 200 of you this morning to give your testimony. It would be the same pleading of the Spirit coming out of your voice. It would be shrouded in different language, different words, different uh, ways of, of communicating it. But the same message would be the pleading heart of God be reconciled to Christ this morning. Don't live another day without God in your life. Don't live another day where you try to make up your own life and find your own way in life. You're not going to find your way. You're only going to get more lost, more pain, more of the same. And that's what Christ does in this church. We are, we are imploring on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so I want to just say that this morning in closing as we're going to worship this morning. Maybe may one person here, maybe two people here, and you don't know the Lord. You've never been born again. You're spiritually dead. What that means is that between you and God, there's nothing that's broken. There's no communication because sin has so destroyed the communication. Yet God says, regardless of that, I'm going to find a way to you. So he sends his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit comes in, into the world to convict the world, not to condemn the world. Jesus said, the Son of Man has not come to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him could be saved. But he sends the Spirit to convict you and to say, this is the way. Don't go here. Go here. Convict you of what's wrong, but also to convict you of what's right. And I know one thing this morning, if you have an open heart, you are convinced that this is right. Because no one else could take lives like these and bring such glory to them. Nobody else could do this. When my mom and dad got born again all those years ago, we were one of the first families that we knew of as a family come to Christ. I knew my mom and dad were saved. I knew the very next day they were saved. My, they, it was, the, the Spirit of God came upon them. I'm telling you, you just know. You just know. You see a Christian, a real Christian, you know they have a relationship with God. And that's an offer for you today. Whoever you are, wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God how can I be reconciled to God you must listen and hear his voice calling you because he's calling you now calling you to repent that means turn away from your sin and to turn to him come and put your confession of faith in Jesus Christ and ask him this is humbling yourself like a little child bowing the knee and say I can't fix myself I can't I can't change the course of my life would you come in and change it for me would you be my Lord and Savior and if you do that with an honest heart you would have done what millions actually billions of people out through the centuries and millions today all around this world have done and they would have, you would find peace with God same way as John and Lisa Nathan and many many more around you this morning so I'm going to ask you just to stand with us in closing we're going to sing a song in a moment we're near the end of our service thank you for being patient and watching but I've got a, a sensitive time if you just don't move for a few moments I just want to I, there's maybe one person here there may be a couple of people here and you say I, I want to be reconciled with God I don't want to live another day uh, under the power and the weight of sin breaking my life if that's you I want every head bowed for a moment, please. Just bow your heads where you're standing. Bow your head. Hallelujah. Don't look around at other people. Right, right to the very back of the church. Bow your heads right back at the very back because I'm looking down on you. I don't want anyone looking up at me this morning. I want you to bow your head. You at the very back, bow your head. Close your eyes. Just out of respect to your people around you. If there's one here this morning, he said, Pastor, I, I want to be reconciled to God. I'm feeling the weight of sin. I'm feeling no peace. So far from God, I want to be reconciled. I want to know peace. I want you to raise your hand good and high so I can see it. I won't embarrass you, but you raise your hand good and high. God bless you. God bless you this morning. God bless you too. I see those hands. More importantly, God sees your hand. Hallelujah. Is there any ways I need to be reconciled? I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. I want to know the peace that only He. There's many hands going up, and I, I don't know many of you, so I know this is new for you. I'm going to pray for you and, and God's going to hear you. You're going to pray yourself. God's going to hear you. He's already heard you. In actual fact, he sees the cry of your heart even now. It's so wonderful. You just don't realize that he sees the cry of your heart. Just call out to the Lord where you are. Just say, Lord Jesus, stay with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to repeat these words. Not, not some sort of magical antidote, but just to help you articulate what's going on in your soul today. Repeat after me, wherever you are, watching online here. And actually, I'm going to ask everybody so these people don't feel a little embarrassed or intimidated. Because the Bible says you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So now you say this prayer with me now. Dear Lord Jesus, 
I know you love me. Nobody would ever go through such torture for me. Yet you did it at Calvary. And I honor that. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to receive me. Make room in your heart for me. I open my heart to you. Would you come in and live in me? Would you do in my life what you've done in these people's lives? Would you bring the peace of heaven into my heart? Forgive my sin. Even take away the memory of the heart of the difficult pain. Cleanse me, Lord. Make me a Christian. Make me someone that will live for you. Guide my life, Lord. Whatever is left is yours. I pray in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you brought me here today to hear such great words of encouragement. And I thank you that you've heard my prayer. And I am now a Christian. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.